Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for learning how to become the next international pop sensation, Ariana Grande. Though we will be specifically that one, specifically Ariana Grande. Yeah, now we, if you want to be like one. Demi Lovato, we got you covered, right? Well, that's that's. That's good. I, I don't guess. know a single Demi song, but I bet you we could break down what does it take to be Demi. We could teach you those steps. But Ariana, she just transcends the ability to explain. You can't yeah, even break it down. This is now a music breakdown and celebrity podcast. It is. Yes. Yes, Queen. <laughs> anyway. That's, yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I used that. We're intro. fired. I used that intro joke because we are going to be uh, slightly dissecting one of the lyrics for one of her songs today. Oh, good! I didn't know that. Yeah, because we're going to talk about how to stand out. Nor do I know the, from the competition. The only standout song that matters is by Powerline, and it's in the Goofy movie. <laughs> is that called Stand Out? <laughs> yeah, even if you have to shout out loud. But then again, kids these days. I forgot about the Goofy movie. They aren't going to know. It's, it's too old. It's too old of a movie, but it's so good. Isn't there like the, a Goofy movie and then an extremely Goofy movie? Also good, but very different. I Isn't that the one where Goofy decides to become a pro skateboarder that can re- like reconnect yeah, he, he with goes, his son? He goes to college and yeah, he becomes That's a right, pro skateboarder and it's... And there are beatniks. It's a great movie too, but it's very different from the father-son bonding movie mm-hmm. that was the first one. It's very... Hello, it's extreme. Kids. Well, it's extreme. It's an extremely goofy movie, so they made it extreme with skateboards. Yeah. So, Martin, you're a anyway. minimalist. Yeah. <laughs> you're a minimalist. What do you think of the new set, now that it's sort of settled in? Um, settled in. It's nice. <laughs> it's relatively calm for having so many things. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with it. Like, it's got way more than I would put, but if I had to put this many things, it would probably look something like this, because it's got padding. It's not... Uh, it doesn't look like a hoarder's nest. Do you think my this. old set looked like a hoarder's nest? I don't know because I can't remember it off the top of my head. When there are too many like colors and stuff without mm. without neutral space in between them. So like the things on the shelf, yeah. there are colorful things, but the neutral shelf coloring in between them and the space makes it like calms down my eyes before I move on to the next thing. It does help. You know, like I can't have a desktop wallpaper that's super colorful and goes all over the place because it's just distracting to me. It feels noisy. I love having a colorful desktop and, uh, wallpaper. The neutral furniture. So if like those shelves were bright yellow or something, I'd probably hate the same exact layout. I think if the shelves were bright yellow, it would I be, would hate it the would same be so layout. so horrible. It, yeah, it would be it would be bad. To paint a visual I just don't picture, want colorful noise like that. Uh, to paint a visual picture for the people listening to this, we it's, I've been building a new set for uh, it feels like 2 months now. I think it's been a month. But it took forever because we, we moved everything from the upstairs bedroom where I had decided that everything was going to go when we moved into this house down to the basement. Because we have a giant room in the basement, and Anna and I stupidly decided when we moved in that the giant room was going to be our TV room. And it, it was like that forever. It, it, like it, seemed, it sounds like it makes sense. Well, even on the, on the schematic for the, the house, like the blueprint or whatever, it's labeled <laughs> as media room. So we're just like, oh, that's where the media goes. Okay. You know, and then uh, we just started realizing, well, there's a lot of empty space in this room that we're not using. And meanwhile, my studio is so cramped. <clears throat> and I wanted to add, uh, I, you know, I wanted to upgrade a new cameras. And the, I think it was the new light that really did me in. Because the new light has this ridiculously gigantic dome softbox on it. And it basically took up all the remaining free space in my room. <laughs> the new light looks like a flower. It is kind of like a flower. Especially if you put that other thing on it. Oh, yeah, the honeycomb thing? Yeah. 
Well, then, yeah, it's like honeycomb, kind of, sort of. Shaky connection. It's like a big sunflower. <laughs> but yes. And then we have the music area. So we finally realized my dream, and I'm, I'm excited to do a studio tour for this, but I think I'm going to paint this wall before I do that video. But I've always wanted, like, a singular room where filming could happen, but also music stuff could happen. And it's finally happened. Piano's there. The guitars are on the wall. It's great. I had to read up because, like, people have said, oh, if you hang your guitars off the wall, it'll damage them. But apparently it's, like, over decades it will damage them. So, like, if you have a collector's guitar that you're hanging for, like... You may not want to do that for For the next 30 years. years. And then you're like, I got this back when I was 15 at the Powerline concert. It was signed. Yes. That might be damaged. (laughs) Yeah, you may want to put that in a case with my, my acoustic, like, my really nice acoustic. That stays in the case because we live in Denver. It gets very dry in the winter. And um, all instruments, but especially acoustic guitars, as far as I'm aware, can be negatively affected by either too much moisture or not enough moisture. So I have to put that in a case with, like, this fun little moisture thing. I but, should, You know what? I should get one of those. I haven't. But my guitar still seems kind of okay. But I've also left it in yeah. its case the whole time. It hasn't really been... I think being in the case exposed helps. Exposed to a lot. And I think that... But it could also be secretly I damaged. think the people who get their guitars really messed up leave them out for years. That's my theory. Because the, the guys at the Folklore Center have said, like, oh, yeah, we've had people bring in guitars that are they're cracking from lack of moisture. Wow. The neck is bowing. Yeah, mine is not doing Things those. like that. So in my cheap guitar, I leave it out all the time. And it's fine. But... Over yeah. a period of years and years and years, it may end up that's sustaining damage from that. But I, I had to make a decision because I was like, if that's in the case, I will not play it nearly as much. Yeah. 22nd rule. So I am okay with the inevitable shorter lifespan of the instrument if it means I use it more. Yeah. Otherwise, like I'm getting, <clears throat> if I get a longer lifespan but fewer actual hours playing it, then I lose out. Yeah, like the point yeah. was to play this, like, unless it's a collector's guitar where the point is yes. to collect it. Yeah. You want to play a guitar, so. But I would prefer not to get into being, that. Yeah, I don't want to, <laughs> I try to avoid too many collectibles. I have a bunch of stuff from my childhood, but I don't really mm-hmm. want to add to it. You know, I'll pre-order games and they'll be like, here's the thing. And I'll be like, no, I don't want that thing, actually. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep. Ann and I were talking last night about uh, vinyl records. Oh, I thought about that Which is something that, that I really don't want to get into because I feel like I'm going to end up with boxes and boxes of vinyl. Yeah, it's a slippery, slippery mm-hmm. slope. Uh, the same thing with hardware synthesizers. What? So, like... Hold on. I don't know what to picture right now. I, I vaguely understand digital music, but not, like, enough to know specifically. Picture a piano keyboard, but then above it... There's all kinds of crazy uh, dials and knobs. Oh, okay, yeah, I know you're talking about And it, it's basically just creating <clears throat> different types of um, oscillations and waves and then modulating them. Waves. Waves. Yeah, and there's all sorts of famous synthesizers from over the years. Like, there's one specific type of synth that made all the cool sci-fi sounds in Blade Runner, and, like, you could buy that synth. And uh, That all sounds really cool. Don't get me into big. a new instrument right now. They're all big is the problem, and I'm like... I would fill up a room with these things. So I'm going to content myself with virtual ones. Get a theremin. <laughs> it's physical and makes weird digital theremin, sounding sounds. Is that sounds. the weird, like, you like, no, it's got, like, straw it's, with the happy face? No, at the, at the bottom? No, this, this one is, a, it's, like, 
just it's air and it has a sensor and like as you move through the oh, sensor you can like get you can get the cat to play it and they'll be like why is this making sound? Now, that would be pretty original it's music pretty, it's pretty great someone tries to copyright strike me i'm like that's way smaller this. and it's also some sort of weird electronic fun i did get a i kind of want one a machine or a machina i think it's called which is like it's a midi controller but it has the pads and hmm. you can use it to create, like, do finger drumming and create, like, drum loops. But then you can turn it into a melodic note scale. And you can, like, say, I want this to be a minor scale or a major scale or harmonic minor. And then each of the buttons just, like, goes up I in the scale. Harmonic minor. And then you can uh, set it to chord mode. And each of the buttons will play chords. And you can be, like, tritone chords or augmented chords. It's fun. Yeah. I'm gonna make now I cool just stuff. really want to do music today, uh, but that's not what uh, we're talking about. No, we got to talk about how to podcast. stand out. But we can segue into this very well because here's a question: How do musicians stand out? Um, because there's so much music in the world. Gimmicks like gold teeth and yelling what? Or, or as you said when you I gotta came have a up, great, great voice. As you said when I came up with the idea for this episode yesterday. You gotta wear Yeezy shoes with a fur suit. Oh yeah, yeah. Because if you look like like an anime wolf or something, and you got the Yeezy shoes, and then there, wait, there was something else I wanted on there. Like you take the hat part off, and you also got what did I want on there? There was something, some other cool accessory. Maybe you know sideburns one, one that are of, shaved into spirals. One of the listeners can figure out. Yeah, how do you be the coolest? Yeah, that okay. person would stand out. In all seriousness, guaranteed. The reason I want to talk about this is because. Uh, Obviously, getting a job is hard, especially in fields where there's a lot of competition. And I think anybody listening to to this, and definitely you and me, can think to a time where somebody has gotten an opportunity and we've thought that we're technically more skilled than that person. So why did they get it? If I had the chance, I would do a better job. Yes. That's messed up that I didn't get the chance. Yes. Or in music, right? Um I've heard so many people say, these people who are popular, they're not that talented. You know, I listen to um, Thank You Scientist. They're so much more talented. Why do they not get attention and mm. these people do, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, it all comes, to, well, it comes down to a lot of factors, but one of the factors is that certain people stand out and get attention, and that is not necessarily correlated to your skill or your abilities. It is something else. Yeah, and especially if we're talking about popular music, I would say talent is very loosely correlated with how successful you yes. are. Certain artists, when they are talented and make good pop music, like Lady Gaga, become yeah. way bigger. But like other than those anomalies, it's really not. Yeah. In the music world, for that genre, it doesn't even align up. And I think specifically in the music world... It's like performance would, skill, not musical yes, skill. That's I the would, important I would part. not go as far as to say that these artists are talentless. I no, it's, who, it, who they put on that, a show. It's very important. Yeah, even like Lil Pump, you know, the uh, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang guy. Actually, the skill is specifically it's, like standing out, right? It, it because that's the performance skill out. is being charismatic. If I had to guess, I would say Lil Pump is probably not a brilliant music theorist. But he's definitely got a lot of self-confidence. He has a style that really stands out, especially when he got started, because he had like rainbow-colored hair or something. And he just he has an aesthetic and a manner that gets attention from a certain demographic. 
Yeah, that's and like, uh, because he has that, then other people that have other talents like production skill, music theory skill, promotion, and you know all the channels can essentially work with him or use him as a vessel to create something that gets attention. If you want to be cynical about it, yeah, little pump, you will be my vessel. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely heard about uh, you know record companies essentially manufacturing artists or bands. Yeah, it really just means they're combining various talents Mm -hmm. into the appearance of one group that's doing all the talent. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we do the same thing with like movies and video games all the time. It's like three three billion people in the credits, Mm -hmm. and that's not problematic. But when it's a musician, you got to create the illusion that like they did it all themselves, or else they're not authentic or something. So it's just different. Some people have the skill of getting attention, and and they are not always the people with the highest amount of raw talent in terms of composition or production or, you know, literally anything they're doing. Um, You can take someone like Jacob Collier, for example, and be like, that person does have all of those talents, but obviously they're not as big as Post Malone or someone like that, you know? Took me a second to remember who Post Malone was. I'm really (laughs) old now. Only the second biggest artist in the world. I don't listen to new music. Or music. I wanted to see... I don't listen to music I wanted often. to see who the biggest artist in the world fault. was, so I just started typing random names into uh, Spotify and looking at like, the monthly listens to see yeah. who's the highest. And I was I was trying to guess. I was like, it's got to be Taylor Swift, right? Nope. <laughs> she's like... I think she's in the top well, 10, I mean, but she's not even... you got to be questioning, are we talking about biggest sales or biggest streams? Because the biggest sales are different. pretty consistent because it's from the artists who have been around since we sold CDs. Yeah, so my criteria now is... It's, now it's a different who metric. Who is the most popular right now? Yeah, right this not second. Not historically, know. but like, you know, who's the biggest... Because like Taylor Swift right and Eminem and Kanye West are going to be near the top of the sales charts for a long time. Yes, because they just have the Because they've been there for, for longer. Yeah, but I think in terms of like cultural consciousness and awareness it's not um i think you know lifetime sales definitely is part of that but i would say that you know when you talk about popular music right now we're not talking about the beatles even though their sales numbers are way way up yeah well, we're it, not talking it, yeah, about it's Michael like Jackson. Uh, it's like are we talking about a standing the test of time kind of artist but that's not the same as standing out right now yeah so it turns out it's ed sheeran still that makes sense. I thought it was going to be post, but actually Ed Sheeran's got like six million more monthly listeners. But it makes sense to me. I don't listen to Ed Sheeran very much. I listen to one song, Castle on the Hill. That's about it. Um, but when I asked my vocal coach, I was like, just out of curiosity, who's the artist that your clients want to practice the most often? And he's just like, Ed, <laughs> no questions asked. Don't even have to think about it. It's Ed. <laughs> so anyway... I think this is, music industry aside, this is a topic that we should probably cover because if you want to land a good job or get picked for a scholarship or get picked for a research opportunity, your raw talent or even your body of work are potentially not going to be enough. Oh, you could have the best body of work ever, but if I've not seen it, yes, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, like go look at how many albums like Porcupine Tree or Dream Theater have. There's all kinds of are those real examples? Brilliant. Yes, okay. there's all kinds of brilliant <laughs> music theory and compositional ideas in there, and yet those bands don't get nearly as much recognition as somebody who uses the same four chord progression over you know a pop drum beat. So why is that? Uh, so I want to talk about. Well, I guess number one, our Ariana Grande lyric, okay. which is from the song Seven Rings. It's called "I See It, I Like It, I Want It, I Got It." Which, 
the Wikipedia article for the ADA framework, which is what we're going to talk about today, actually lists it as an example of the ADA framework in action. It says that there's no evidence that she was literally trying to reference the ADA framework. She must have been. But she probably was. Marketing genius, <clears throat> right? International pop star. You can't even touch her. You can't become Arianda. Anyway, so the ADA framework, this is something that I learned about in the movie Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, um, which is a kind of a depressing movie, but it's definitely one of the most well-made business movies I think I've ever seen. Okay. Um, but this is, this is a framework that's been around in sales and advertising circles for more than 100 years, I think. It stands for attention, interest, desire, and action. And this is how marketers essentially think about how they're going to get a customer to buy a product. Mm. Um, there's also a okay. generalized hierarchy of effects, which is a little bit different, but it's pretty similar. Awareness, knowledge, liking, preference, conviction, and then purchase. That one's too long. It is a little bit longer, but it's. I think it's a little more accurate. So we're talking about the stages that a consumer goes through before they eventually buy a product, right? They've become aware of the product's existence. And this is the kicker, right? Because... The other steps can't the, happen if you didn't do the first one. Yeah. You're never going to become attached to a product and want it and prefer it if you don't know it exists. And uh, this, is, this is where... <clears throat> all this perceived unfairness gets started when it comes to hiring or when it comes to who becomes popular as an artist or when it comes to who wins a scholarship. Yeah. The people who are the decision makers and the gatekeepers must become aware of your existence first, right? So let me move on to knowledge. So you become aware that you exist. Now I have to sort of get a little bit of uh, a feeling of who you are, what you do, what you're, what are you about? You know, that's the knowledge. And then we move on to liking. Do I like what I've learned about you? Do I like what I've learned about you enough to prefer you over anyone else or any other thing if I'm making a purchasing decision or a hiring decision? Um, does my preference become strong enough that I am now convicted to go and make a purchase? So it kind of flows through that. And if you think about hiring, hiring is the purchasing of labor, right? Yeah. You know, it, that that's a very cold, cynical way to put it. But Businesses that are looking for employees are looking to deploy money in exchange for services from somebody. So it's a very similar thing. Have to become aware of this candidate's existence, start to learn about their skills, their background, are they going to be a good fit for the company, and then go through that exact same that's, uh, exact same sequence, liking, preference, conviction, hire. So what I want to focus on in this episode is how do you make sure that you are the person they become aware of. That's a good that's a good way to drill that down, you know, because we've done a lot of stuff on like getting better at specific skills, and doing mm -hmm. all this other stuff, building your body of work, but yeah, without that first letter, I've never heard of the ADA framework before. Mm. But without the first letter, the rest don't matter. Did they not talk about ADA in our marketing classes? Do you think I remember our marketing? I, I honestly, I feel like I remember and learned like three concepts. <laughs> <laughs> and one concept from community college. So like four solid concepts yeah. I have had impressed upon me. M college was largely networking and personal growth. It really was. So but I, but I already had this... a degree when I went there, so it was like different for me, I guess. I'm writing this video on the five most useful classes I took in college, which should be out by the time this episode goes out. And um, I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm not using my degree. Yeah, I, so I don't get to use it anymore. It's going to make the video more interesting because... 
if I was using my degree, it might just be a very straightforward video. Like, yes, SQL database design <laughs> was a very useful class. was very <laughs> also, helpful. Also, information in uh, network architecture was also very useful. But because I'm not using my degree, I'm, I'm able to pick some more, I think, universally ap applicable classes. But I would guess that marketing class went over ADA. And if they didn't, I don't know why. Because it seems like a really important part of sales and marketing. I don't remember my marketing class. It's been too long. <laughs> but that is not one of the lessons that I guess I pulled away most important. Mm. So uh, I do remember my marketing class it's, because... It's been a long time since then. I was taking marketing class when I was writing articles on CIG about how to um, make a better relationship with your pre professors and coincidentally stand out to your professors. And one thing that uh, I had read and then tried to implement was, you know, just having general correspondence with your professors without it needing to be about something you want. Like, hey, I need to, you know, get the notes that I missed for class. So when I was taking marketing class, I would literally like just email my professor and say, hey, I found this article that was really interesting. And I don't know if you remember this, but when Portal 2 was coming out, Steam had this weird, gigantic game slash oh, I marketing stunt that. going on where if you if you bought and played certain games it would go into this gigantic pool which would help to make portal 2 release early yeah and i thought this was i thought this was <clears throat> brilliant marketing on valve's part because they got people to buy so many games they weren't going to buy to quote unquote to buy another game. make portal 2 come out <laughs> early which really translates to Hey, we've decided that Portal 2 is going to come out on this day. All right, let's push it back three days and then concoct this ridiculous marketing yeah, stunt. Yeah, like sales at a store. <laughs> like, we're going to push the price up 20%, cut it by 15 and call it a sale. Yes. Ha-ha. <laughs> which I think that is that particularly is illegal in certain places. Steam has gotten in trouble for that. If I, if I remember, or maybe not Steam. Maybe I think it was um, I think it was Rockstar that got in trouble for that with, with GTA. But, <laughs> yeah, anyway... Um, I, I sent that article to my marketing professor and he was like, this is actually really cool. And I talked about it in class. And I got attention from that. I don't know what it did for me. What are some ways that people can get attention that do not involve, as you put it, wearing Yeezy shoes with a fursuit? Because I think it's, it's important to recognize that some tactics will get you attention, but they will get you the wrong kind of attention. That you really need to to like fit the attention to what you're trying to do. Maybe if you're yes. trying to be like a an eclectic musician, that that may very well work in like a YouTube music yes. star sort of way. That may work, but it probably won't get you a job at a law firm. <laughs> yeah. So I think when, when and this is something that anybody listening to this should keep in the back of their minds when we're talking about Maybe. this whole awareness slash attention step. You have to think downstream, and you have to think about what the next steps in the process are. So I'm getting awareness or attention with the intention of moving the person that I've gained attention from through this process to knowledge, to liking, to preference, to hire. I can get attention by running through a crowded mall wearing like a Big Bird costume, you know, blasting ludicrous from a boombox on my shoulder. But I don't think that's going to move anybody down the process to I'm going to hire that guy unless they're hiring for a big bird impersonator who blasts copyrighted music in public spaces, in which yeah. case, that's great. But what can you do 
to actually get a job. Uh, and I think we should start with the thing that you did to get your web development job. The website? Mm-hmm. Well, that was a way to get attention, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I think you, you like gave me the initial idea to do that, and then I went through and actually did it, and... I did, and I have to say, cool. I took. The I think idea you had, from you had mentioned else. that it happened like uh, Florian is all in. Yep. Like, what was it, Adidas or Nike or some shoe company? Yeah. That they did it for, and it was a really cool idea. And you told me about that, and then um, so when I went to apply for my first job out of university, which I had applied for first, because you know I wasn't even going to graduate until the following December. I applied in like March or April or something because I saw their website. Oh yeah. I saw their website, had an opening for the job I wanted, and it just seemed to fit perfectly. It was in the location I wanted. It was specifically working with WordPress, which is what I had experience with at the time. And I was like, I don't want to wait to apply when I graduate because by that point, they may not have the job, yeah. and it, it won't matter. So I want to get my foot in the door somehow and then say, oh, by the way, I'm not graduating yet, but let's work something out. So I, when I applied to that... I applied with this website that I made. Uh, <coughs> sorry. I want to fly with hippos.com, which is uh, basically like a really fancy cover letter in the format of a website. And it just had a bunch of it had a bunch of things that I thought made me a good fit. It had some fun stuff, like I had hippo facts for no reason. <laughs> like they're Those su- are at the bottom, right? Like they're super dangerous. Sometimes they're Pokemon. That's true. That's true. Um, just a bunch of stuff that I felt uh, exemplified who I am, both in skill set and personal brand of non-sensory. Yeah. And then, um, so I sent that, and I believe at the bottom of my actual cover letter that they wanted me to send, and I was like, oh, by the way, you should probably check out this website. <laughs> and then, um, so one of the people there did who later became, like, the main person I, I worked with, like, yeah. mentor-wise, is helping me figure out what's going on in the company. And it just stood out, and they remembered it. And when they, when I did that, I became somewhat, like, endearing almost. Like, it was like, well, I like that one. It stands out. It's cool. So I really hope that he's qualified enough to do this because, like, that's a more fun – it's a more satisfying story. Yeah. You want that person to succeed after you're like, well, they did the cool thing. It would be it would be like a lame ending to that story if we were like, eh. Mm. So I was, they were already rooting for me before I even came in for an interview. So I guess this is actually an interesting observation when we're talking about the framework because like we go to liking, right? But yeah. it's interesting that the way in which you gained awareness contributed to their liking. Yeah. Like, they didn't have to wait until later to figure out if they liked you. They liked you because of how you got attention. And that may have helped them make certain concessions. Well, Same um, with musical artists. In the interview I had, so I, I interviewed, I let them know, by the way, I'm not full-time yet, but I would be fully willing to, like, come work here still as a student. I will commute. Mm-hmm. Uh, could we work out an internship or something? Which they don't normally do, but they did in the end. So I got to work there as a student. But I wasn't qualified yet, it turns out. Mm-hmm. I had some experience, but in, during the interview, there was some stuff I didn't know. There was some stuff that I needed mm-hmm. to know, but they wanted to work with me. So the owner of the place was like, here's the deal. How about you spend this summer reading these books 
big old WordPress book, some some books on like UX and design and stuff from from a series that I can't remember the name of, but I can link to the series. I think it's like related to a list apart, but I don't I don't know what the ah, books okay. are called. Um, Were they a book apart? I think it might have been something like that. Okay, but I can. I know they've gone with that sort of like an yeah. event apart, a list apart. Yeah, I can have that link to because the series was cool. But he was like, "So just read these over the summer. Come back. We'll get you hooked up with an internship in the fall." Now, at the time, I secretly didn't even have a driver's license, so I had to figure that out <laughs> over the summer too. I was just like, "I'm gonna have to figure out how I'm gonna commute. I can't drive yet because whoops." But that worked out. That was fine. Mm-hmm. And you don't draw attention to things that might lose your points. That was yeah. I wasn't lying. <laughs> it was it was assumed <laughs> I could drive, and I figured it out. But so over the summer, what I did was I read the one big WordPress book, and then I read every book in the other series, not just like mm-hmm. the two that were recommended, but every book in the series, and went above and beyond. Yeah. To keep standing out, like I'm the one who went crazy and read like ten books this summer for you. Mm-hmm. And it kept the goodwill alive rather than just saying, you don't quite have the experience. And also you spent all summer not getting it after I asked you to. Yeah. Eh. So you, you kind of kept up with the entire. I kept up. It was just, I'm going to go like 100% because I only applied to the one job. Mm-hmm. I did not apply to several. And obviously in most situations you want to apply to more than one. But because I was applying early, I was like... I'm just going to put everything I have into this single focus, yeah. maintaining a relationship with these people and trying to get to work at this company. I'm not even going to look at the other ones. I'm not even going to Google other jobs. I didn't because I applied early and it allowed me to be specific. But with the uh, attention-getting tactics, I actually landed the one out of one. Mm-hmm. So pretty decent success rate. Yeah, and you mentioned the inspiration from this was a guy named Florian. Yeah. Um, we will check if his website is still up. I remember it was florianisallin.com. I don't know if it's still up because this was 2012 when he made it. But this was the original idea that, or I guess the original source of the idea uh, where, I see it, where I saw it. This guy, Florian, wanted to work at Adidas in the marketing department. So he put together this entire website about why he was the best candidate, why he really wanted to work for them specifically. Same thing that you did. Yeah. Um, one additional thing that he did which I think because you were applying for web development, making the site literally was a demonstration of your capabilities. Because he was applying for a marketing job, he actually put together a slide deck with a bunch of, I think it was a bunch of potential um, changes to how they were doing marketing to improve it. It was either that or it was like a pitch for a certain campaign. I can't remember what it was, but either way it was like, here, I made something for you to demonstrate my skills. And he also got hired at uh, Adidas. There was another person who made a very similar website for Airbnb. I believe they got hired as well. I might be able to link to that person in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I think I think Garamay can just search for like Airbnb application website or something like that because I, I don't remember the guy's yeah, name. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I do want to note that this, this tactic has not always worked. No, it can't always work. A friend of mine made a similar website with custom illustrations for another company and did not get picked. So we should put out there that this is a tactic that is good for getting attention, but it does not guarantee that you're going to get to the next st- the stages of the process. 
Yeah, but it you got know? you into the group that gets attention in the first place. Because yes. if I had just applied to, with all the regular stuff, never stood out, I could have been filtered out. Well, you know, when you're yep. just sorting through resumes and you're like less experienced than the rest of them. Uh-huh. Eh. They don't know who Martin is. They don't care. They have no reason to care. It's a piece of paper. Yeah. So you kind of skip to the next round of consideration if you have attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to say this because I've I've heard some people essentially asp- express the idea that why should I put so much effort into an application when I still might not get picked? So essentially what they're saying is why not just put in the bare minimum effort, you know, shotgun my resume out to a zillion people, <clears throat> shotgun the exact same cover letter template, because if I spend time, uh, you know, putting effort and customizing my cover letter or creating a cool website like this, it could just be a waste of time. I guess it depends and on how much you want that job. Exactly, right? right? It could be a waste of time. But number one, I think it isn't a waste of time because no matter whether you get hired or not, you got experience making another website, thinking about how to present yourself, you literally got better at marketing yourself through practice by yeah. doing that. So regardless of the outcome, that is not a waste of time. It's the same as saying, why should I make music? It might not get listened to by anybody. It might not get popular. Why would I even put in the effort? Well, because number one, that's the craft. But number two, if you never make music, then you're guaranteed to not get picked. Yeah. And that's the thing, like a lot of life is putting a lot of effort into something, putting it out into the world and dealing with the possibility that it might not get traction. And that's, that's blogging, that's YouTubing, right? Like whenever, whenever I'd write a blog post, I was, I was almost certain that most blog posts would not get that much attention, which was correct. Yeah, most, most don't. Sometimes they did. And sometimes they got enough attention that's, you know, that that's all that mattered. Didn't need every single post to be a hit. So I think that it is very much worth putting effort into every single application because if you do, you become the person who stands out. Yeah. Uh, now, I do want to talk about a few other examples, but I also want to, before we end this podcast, move on to examples of things you can do that aren't, that aren't peacocking. Yeah. So peacocking is a term from, uh, I believe, the book The Game by Neil Strauss. And this is this is a book where a journalist decided to basically infiltrate the pickup artist community, which is a community of people that I don't really have a lot of respect for because their entire attention is to use manipulative tactics and social or not sociological science, social science to essentially figure out how to pick up women. And they do all kinds of like pretty despicable stuff like, you know, making negative comments because Uh, making negative comments will will cause people to want to prove themselves to you, right? So it kind of builds attachment, which is kind of a crappy thing to do. But it's an interesting book because, number one, it it actually kind of shows you the tactics these people use. Um, But I also learned that part of their strategy is to dress very flamboyantly and to purposely do things that other people don't do in order to stand out. So one of the guys in the book, I think, would go to clubs wearing like a feather boa and wearing like these giant platform shoes that had fish tanks in them or some weird stuff like that. And then when they would go up to talk to a girl, they would never say, oh, you're pretty, or can I buy you a drink or any of the common stuff. They would say some weird thing. You know, 
I don't, I don't even know an example. <laughs> like, they would just say something weird sense. because it's like it's out of the ordinary, and anything out of the ordinary gets attention. And that's kind of the thing. Like, ordinary things get filtered <clears throat> out. If you drove to work today, do you remember the commute? Like, do you remember every single detail of the commute? No. You know, what was the color of the car in front of you? Who knows? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, unless you were extraordinarily mad at them. In which yeah. case they got your attention. They did something. And now they're out. hired. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hire the the road raging driver in front of me. Yeah. Because they got attention. So, you know, they they do things to stand out. They do very flamboyant things. Um, but that's not the only thing you have to do. One more example before we get into some of the more uh, accessible methods, I would say. So this is something that nobody should do. But I want to tell the story anyway because it's very interesting to me. So back, I think this might still be a thing, but back in like the 70s and 80s, there was this community of people called Phone Freaks. And uh, basically, they were just a bunch of nerds and hackers who were really interested in figuring out how the phone system worked. And they would figure out how to get free calls. So for instance, one guy figured out that he could whistle perfectly at 2600 hertz. And this was the exact tone that would essentially tell the phone system, okay, uh, you know, let them dial and make a call. And normally there's like some sort of, you know, mechanism at the phone company office that says, okay, this person is a subscriber, they're a paying customer, we'll play this tone to allow them to make a call. So they learned that by whistling down the line, they would essentially trick the system into letting them make a call for free. That's brilliant. And then they would build these little, what they call blue boxes, which would generate the tones and... It's really fascinating. There's a whole book called Exploding the Phone, which is about this. And in this book, I learned about a guy named uh, Joe Ingracia, who he's a blind guy. I believe he was the guy who learned how to whistle perfectly. Most of the other people would build tone-generating machines. But he moved to Nashville at one point, and he was about to go broke and really needed to get a job. So he decided that the way he was going to get a job... uh, was going to be to build a sophisticated blue box to hack the phone system, but to do so in a very conspicuous way so that the police and the phone company would start listening to him. And he decided to to literally break, uh, break the law to show his technical prowess because he thought it might get him attention and then get him a job. Did it work? It did. It's so Pretty good attention the, to get her. Uh, the Risky, police, though. The police, I don't know if they arrested him or they, ra- I think they raided his house they confiscated the blue boxes that he had built, and they, they charged him with a misdemeanor. He went to court, and very fortunate for him, the, just, uh, the judge said, "Your system, your what is it? Your sentence is suspended. Can't talk today." So he kind of got off the hook, and then he said, "Next week I had four job offers, one of them being from 3M. I think he turned down the 3M job because it wasn't about phones, and he really wanted to work with phones. And then he got hired by some small phone company." Uh, he definitely said, I don't recommend that this method of getting a job, but it's very risky. <laughs> it's very risky. You probably shouldn't break the law to get a job, but I still, I like the story. I don't know. It's like, it's a very amusing story to me. Yeah. It's a cool story. As long as you don't consider the potential consequences Yeah, in real, like I would never tell my friend to do that in real life, but if I met somebody that did it, I'd be like, huh. Yeah, I mean, like, it's fancy. You know, to put this in context, this is a guy who, number one, a lot of these people, I don't know if they were all that aware, like, how big the consequences could be. Because they're just like, well, we're just punking the phone system, man. Um, The other thing is, like, he was, like, literally going broke. Yeah. 
So it's like a last ditch effort. It was very much a last ditch effort because I think he had tried to get a job, but, you know, being a blind guy, I think a lot of people had kind of written him off. So he's like, well, I know all this stuff about the phone system. I'm going to do something to get attention. Yeah. Anyway, don't do illegal things to get attention. Again, I just like the story. So let's talk about some things you can do that don't involve peacocking, don't involve showing up to a job fair with a feather boa and fish tank shoes or breaking the law to get the police's attention and then get in the newspapers. Um, One thing I want to talk about is just going to networking events and going to them early and often. So example one would be going to career fairs. When I was a freshman, I went to every single career fair and my friends did not get it because they were like, I'm not going to get an internship till my sophomore year, dude. Why would I go to the career fair now? It's like freshman year, first semester. There's three other career fairs until I need to get my internship. But I wanted to go and become like a known quantity to the recruiters there. So my first year, I would just go up and say, hey, I'm a freshman. I'm going to be working on campus this summer, but I just wanted to meet you, figure out what your company does. I'm just kind of trying to get a lay of the land on what potential internship opportunities I might have next year. And... I figured that at least some of those recruiters would be there the next year. And when I came back around my sophomore year, some of them were, and they recognized me. So a good way to get attention is just to make a very normal introduction at one point in time. And then when you do it again, you stand out because they remember you. Yeah. Um, Another one is the reason I got my first internship actually Uh, at least part of the reason, was because I met a guy who worked in IT at the company that I eventually worked at because of a conference that was like, it was like a leadership conference for freshmen. Something you could apply for. It was a two-day thing where they did networking sessions. They did um, sessions on how to dress professionally, on how to write a resume, all kinds of stuff like that. So it was really the company just putting on something to kind of help freshmen out. But I think they were also surreptitiously you know doing some pre-recruiting yeah it's like it's like could you students self-filter yourselves into the most ambitious exactly thank you so this is an example of using existing systems to sort of filter yourself into a short list you don't have to do something crazy to get attention you're just you get attention solely because you showed up and you were yeah, there. Just, just something that the, if the average person is going to say it's not worth it, mm-hmm. then you automatically stand out by doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know how we talked about um, the lucky breaks people get in the last episode about imposter yep. syndrome? Like how the lucky breaks wouldn't have happened if they hadn't prepared? Yeah. This is an example of a lucky break where I don't know how well it would have gone if I hadn't prepared. Um, during that event they had this mentorship session where they would pair each student up with a mentor from the company. And just so happened, I was the only information technology person who attended. Everyone else was marketing, accounting, uh, management, general business majors. I was the only computery guy. So I got paired up with the vice president of all of IT infrastructure. And because I had been working at the campus IT center, And during my free time at the campus IT center, I had been reading an A-plus certification book because I figured getting A-plus certification would help me get better jobs down the road. Yeah. Uh, And also I had been reading, I literally forget the name of the site now, but there's a site that I used to to read that was all about basically like corporate IT. 
So I was just like reading about networking practices and security. And I was listening to security now. And I was listening to a lot of the Leo Lepore podcasts, just kind of immersing myself in it as much as I possibly could. Cause that's what I wanted to do because of that. I was able to have fairly high level conversations with this guy about networks and security and databases and stuff like that. And I remember him saying like, most freshmen don't know this stuff. So because of that, he wanted to follow up. We ended up having a few other meetings. And I think that knowing him and making a good impression on him factored into the decision to hire me. Yeah. So that's kind of moving more into the framework, more knowledge, more preferential things, and then, you know, conviction <clears throat> to hire. But it was also a way of getting attention. Because I don't think he was the person who made the hiring decision, but he was probably the person who said, like, to the hiring manager, this might be somebody you want to consider. Yeah. So go to networking events. Basically, utilize the filtering mechanisms that have been set up to put yourself into smaller groups. Because when you're in a smaller group, there's fewer people you have to stand out amongst. You know, and you get more time to stand out. Yeah. Um, better cover letters. Oh, we have a podcast cat. Hello. So we have an entire article about how to write a cover letter, but, uh, one thing that is good to know is that, uh, according to Brad Karsh, who I interviewed back in like, oh my gosh, like episode 40 or something like that. We'll have it in the show notes. It was like the man who read 10,000 resumes. He wrote a whole book on resume and cover letter skills and did a lot of recruiting work before that. Uh, he told me that he read like 10,000 resumes, but probably like a hundred cover letters because most of them are just a boring restatement of everything that's on the resume. Oh, and yeah, hiring yeah. managers know this. So they'll, they'll glance at the first sentence, realize yep, it's the same exact crap, throw it in the garbage. Um, writing a better cover letter that maybe starts with a story. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause you're I, I, like, there are a lot of them. And I saw examples in classes where it's like, Dear whoever, I went to this college. Okay, that's the first block. Then I got the opportunity to work here. And then you, it literally is just, could you professionally paraphrase this in yes. the least personality-driven way possible? All right, I think the one that I've seen most often is the, they'll start the cover letter with, you know, dear hiring manager, I am writing to inquire about the position that your company posted on monster.com in you this know, department. And it's like, no crap you are. <laughs> it would be way why more, are you applying like, <laughs> you should write i am not writing to inquire about this job and then just kidding i am and then i'll be like Whoa, i'm actually what? asking you out on a date <laughs> it's like yeah of course you're writing to apply uh, for this position why else would you it's have a great way to get a date. Me this letter I get, yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> i like this one bring Hiring him in for an interview dating <laughs> just, simulator 2019 buy it on steam today yeah <laughs> So, yeah, never start your cover letter with that because it's obvious and it's boring. And, again, uh, this is a hiring manager's job to read resumes and cover letters and make decisions. And if that's their job, that means that that's what they're doing eight hours a day, which means that a lot of that is just filtered out noise, just like your commute. Yeah. I'm not paying attention to the colors of the cars in front of me and around me when I'm commuting to work because that doesn't matter. It doesn't stand out. It doesn't get my attention. So... You have to do something to get attention. And again, you probably shouldn't, you know, start your cover letter with just like sex in all capitals. 
Depending very, on the job. That's a very Bart Simpson way of getting <laughs> attention. But again, it's probably not going to put them through the rest of that framework. But maybe you start with a story. You know, when I was 12 years old, uh, my dad taught me how to build a computer for the first time. And ever since I've been building computers and I absolutely love them, that's why I want to work for your company. Yeah. Or something like that. Or, you know, go further like you did and make a website that is a cover letter. Yeah. It, that it gets attention. Like... Your cover letter probably could have literally just been... I it, want to fly with It was a pretty com. basic cover letter that was just like, also, you should probably check this out. Mm-hmm. It's better. And luckily, they went to it. Yeah, I'm glad that that worked out. Mm-hmm. It very easily could not have worked out, but... Yeah, I mean, like, what if they would have thrown the cover letter away without seeing the URL? Very possible. My guess is the URL was probably underlined on the cover letter. Oh, I styled so it, probably, it so that it was important. It probably drew the eye. Probably was on its own paragraph as well. Yeah. So yeah, here's another tip. If you're gonna do something cool like that, don't make it. It's got to be scannable. Hard to uh, to to see um, that. <laughs> no, so I think scannability is really important, and that that's obviously already important for resumes and stuff. But mm-hmm. I wanted the special part to be scannable. Same is true in my personal website right now. Yeah. If you look at it, the headers for each is a sentence. You could read just the headers and get the whole point. You don't even need to read the paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, th- this whole formula. This is why I will spend sometimes an hour on thumbnail and title for a YouTube video, you know? And it's frustrating because I'm like, well, the real effort needs to go into the video because that's what people are going to watch. But yeah, that is, if we look at Ada, right? That's action. That is watching. And action does not happen if attention and then interest and desire does not happen. That's the frustrating thing because you, <laughs> you might be tempted to think nobody watched this because it wasn't good enough. But really, they didn't know if it was good enough yet. They mm-hmm. never saw it. The same thing applies to any photos on Instagram, any any tweets if you do that and you wish it had more likes. Like it. Nobody's judging it necessarily if they never saw it in the first place. So yep, the best video you have could be the worst performing if you had the wrong thumbnail. Yeah. I mean, like we said last week, a lot of people love the Equal Odds Roll video. Well, not a lot. A few people I know who watched it. Yeah. Most people like it's appreciated, it. but it wasn't noticed. Mm-hmm. Or like, I I think I put more effort into my hydration video than 95% of any of the other videos I've made. But that video just didn't get a lot of attention. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, it might have not been on a topic that people cared about. And that's another thing, right? Like, I could be the world's most uh, skilled COBOL programmer, but how many people are scanning the horizon hoping that uh, their eyes are going to land on a great COBOL developer? A couple. I don't know. You might get those. No, that might actually be, like, be a bad example because so many companies like Some legacy, legacy stuff tech. will get you. But uh, yeah, you know, like if you're like, hey, I want to learn how to code. What's going to be the best language to learn right now? Well, we've often said in the past that, you know, trying to start with language is often a bad question because you need to start with your intention of what you want to build. Yeah. But there's definitely an argument to be made that you could pick a language that's not on demand <clears throat> and, you know, at the at the very least, set yourself back a year or two because you're going to realize, well, everyone's looking for React developers now. I got to go learn that. Or everyone's looking for Node.js developers or everyone's looking for, uh, you know, NoSQL developers. And I stupidly learned PHP 4. So yeah. they're not looking for that. So there's another thing. If you want to get attention, you need to um, need to start working in an area that has some buzz about it right now. 
and to go back to the example of music, uh, musical artists, the people who are biggest in music, you could say that they are trendsetters to a degree, but they are in many times trend bit. followers. You know, like, it's like you just put a little twist on the previous trend. Yeah. And then like, it becomes the new one. You know, Taylor Swift's latest couple of albums sound absolutely nothing like her original albums. And I think part of that is artistic development based on what she wanted to do. But I think it would be very naive to say that there was no there was no uh, consideration of popular music and trends yeah. in the composition of some of those songs. Yeah, even if it was like, maybe if I move more into pop, that'd be like fun. That sounds fun. But also, I bet more people would listen to it. There, there, yeah. There's at least like the acknowledgement that yeah. that'll lean more into what's popular anyway. So if mm-hmm. it's fun, you might as well do that. Yeah, exactly. So, or what's, what's the, uh, that quote from 50 Cent? Uh, there are a lot of quotes from 50 Cent. We dumb it down and double our dollars. No, that's Jay-Z. Oh, that's Jay-Z. That's Jay-Z. You can't confuse. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so Jay-Z, we dumb uh, it down... Yeah. So yeah. we can double our dollars. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a, I dumb down for my audience and double my dollars. You criticize me for it, but you all yell holla. That's what it is. And yeah. it's like, the next line is, truthfully, I want to rhyme like common sense, but I did five mil. I, have, I ain't been rapping like common sense. Like the point is, mm. yeah, I could do more esoteric, talented stuff, but I'm fully aware that what I'm doing is trying to make money. You know, people are like, ice cubes in Disney movies. But like the whole point was, I'm going to make money and yep. get out of the streets. Why would I? Yep. <laughs> they they paid me money. That's that's what I wanted the whole yep. time. They like, wanted money so they did what will get attention. Yeah, that's there's just yeah. just being being honest. Like <laughs> And it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do when you grow up in those situations to say, "Well, what mm-hmm. what is going to get me the most attention and fix this situation faster?" Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, it's it kind of sucks cuz the people who are like, oh, you're, the, you're a sellout, they have a point. But yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah it's I'm like, a sellout because you're I want it to be. That a sell, you're <laughs> assuming that a sellout is absolutely negative. If the point was, I'm going to become a self-made business person slash, like, I'm going to make enough money to buy my mom's a mansion, like, I've always dreamed of doing. Actually, maybe not a mansion, something reasonable. But at that no, selling out, selling out is the point. That's, that's just, like, marketing. It's just Treat. a financial strategy. Treat your self-esteem like a gas and let it fill the space you make for it. Buy your mom a mansion. Yeah. I want to buy my, Well, I, I feel like mansions are creepy. You know, like they there are, are too many. Pretty creepy. There, that's why I hesitate. There are too many rooms. Yes. Even in this house, because it has multiple floors, I'm just like, what's going on upstairs right now? I'm kind of a naturally paranoid person <laughs> because of where I grew up. So I like, I'm very conscious of all the doors and all the windows. And I'm like, I know what's going on. And I will throw this tea kettle right at this door if I hear a noise in the middle of the night. Yeah. Immediately. Not, no hesitation. <laughs> I won't even be awake for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mansions are creepy. Happen. But, like, selling out is the point there. All right. Buy a mansion. Rent it out. Set your mom up with the rental income. <coughs> it would she be... can use that to buy a nice brownstone. Yeah. But it would be kind of silly to, on purpose, not get attention and spoil all of your chances of success specifically to be more esoteric mm-hmm. and like artistically pure or something. Like, yeah. do that if you're only doing it for the art, but you can't complain that you're not successful afterward. Mm-hmm. 
will be like a program and be like, I only program in Erlang because it is the most elegant, beautifully constructed language ever. And it's like, all right, cool. But if no one's hiring Erlang developers, then you aren't going to get yeah, hired. Like, like if you love it, that's that's great. But if the next thing you say after that is, why will no one hire me? I'm the best. Well, then your yes. problem is you're bad at marketing yourself. Yes, absolutely. Be like Jay-Z. So I, I think to, to like wrap this up and put a bow on it, think of your skills, your talents, your ability to create, which a lot of people put a lot of stock in, which, you know, they're not wrong for it, but think of that as the inner pages of a book sitting in a bookstore. And think of anybody who's going to hire you as a customer who has just walked in and they see the vast sea of shelves and they're just browsing the shelves. They are not going to see all of your talents and skills and abilities because it is hidden inside of a book sitting on a shelf among many, many, many other shelves. So what do you need to do? You need to design a really nice book cover. You need to do what you can to have the book facing outward instead of facing normally, you know, thin-wise into the shelf. You need to do market research to see if the book cover is going to draw attention. You need to make sure that you are writing on a topic that has some general interest right now if you want people to buy your book. There's all these things <laughs> that are going to help you get attention. And if you can do that, then people are going to start turning the pages, reading the book, and finally learning about what you can do. That's why like all those books now have like censored swear words on their covers. Yep. Because the first one, like when Mark Manson did it, it was like, what? That is a naughty word on that book. I'm surprised. And it got so much attention. And now like there are full shelves <laughs> where like the books just all have some sort of censored word on the front. And I'm just oh, like, yeah. I hate it now. And it, that'll probably slow down now because it's not going to be surprising anymore. But the initial <laughs> surprise led to a whole like marketing effort based on just shock value. Same thing with like 50 Shades. There were a bunch of imitations after that. You just, yeah. Anything that shocks people is going to... I feel like it's getting to the point now get like where a if, boom. if you publish a book that doesn't have a curse word in the title, it's actually going to stand out more. <laughs> I'm trying to find... I, I know I sent you like a whole... There should be one that uses like gosh darn in the title. Like it's like... <laughs> it'll stand out because it's like almost swearing, but the it's The subtle sensitive. art of not giving a darn. <laughs> <laughs> See, that would stand out to me. <laughs> Everything is crap. And yeah... Oh my God. Here, yeah, here's, here it is. There's a book by Faith G. Harper. Um, I, I can't say all these words on the podcast, but he, they're yeah, naughty. One you book, can't do that. two books. So, okay, here, I'm just going to, this is an F word book. This is an F word book. Here's an F word book. These are all on it like one became, wall. It became one a, like, like a gimmick. Uh, Don't let your attention get it. Make sure they're not gimmicky already. Because another F word book. They're fresh for a little bit. If they're this kind of thing, they will become a gimmick after too many people do it. I at least, I like David Graeber's new book because he didn't even censure it. He just, he's just like, I don't care. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, anybody can go look up these books. All you need to do is <laughs> put F asterisk CK into Amazon or Goodreads. Yeah, there are so many. And it's like, <laughs> it was like, that's a great book you wrote there. Can we throw the F word in the title for attention? Huh? Huh? And then you do it. Don't do not do gimmicky stuff. Even my agent was like, when we were discussing a new a potential <laughs> book that I put on hold, but she was like, you should call it this. And I had a curse word in it. And I'm like, look, I don't, I don't curse. 
you'll stand out more by keeping your brand the way you've wanted it to begin with because it's already successful enough yeah you don't don't, don't curse in my content so i'm sorry i won't be able to say the name of my book if you call it that so (laughs) yeah you won't be able to advertise yourself on yeah I used to curse, actually, because I have nothing wrong. I, you know, I see nothing wrong with cursing. I think if you say something hurtful, that's a lot worse than using just an arbitrarily vulgar word. Yeah. Um, I personally have no issue with with cursing, uh, as long as you're not using it to hurt people. I, I do think that cursing can often lead people to speak in a lazy manner, because they will choose a curse word. They will use a curse word either as a vocal pause, which just indicates that you could practice speaking a little more clearly or deliberately, or they'll use it as a go-to instead of thinking of a more creative descriptor for what they're talking about. Yeah. But philosophically, I have no problem with cursing, but you know, when I used to curse in my content and it wasn't even bad, it was like, I would use a quote that had a curse word in it. Um, yeah, I get emails like, Hey, I'm a sixth grade teacher. And like, I don't have a problem with the fact that you said this word, but I want to show your video in my class. And I don't yeah, want you're ho- you were holding your content me. back from a, an entire audience of like students yeah. whose parents needed or gatekeeping mm-hmm. the content, basically. Yeah. So that's just that's just better marketing in this situation. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I will get attention from cursing, but I won't bring people. It won't be the, the right attention. framework because they're going to be like, well. I'm going I'm to hear from some people at parent-teacher conferences if I show this in class, so I can't do it. Yeah, that, that would be <laughs> unfortunate. Um, I know Hank Green struggled with the exact same thing because Hank likes to curse, which is why they started that science podcast where they literally just yeah. curse as much as they want. But uh, he's just like, yeah, in Crash Course, I literally can't. So, sorry. <laughs> anyway, long story short, think of your talents and your skills and all that as a book in a bookstore and ask yourself, what can I do to get people to pick my book up off the shelf and start perusing through it? Yeah. And unfortunately, we all judge books by their covers. I can't read them all, so I have to. That truism is like, it's like the least true truism. It's like, maybe or, maybe you shouldn't, what is it? but a, like, I have to. Aphorism? I, I don't know. For it. I don't know those words right now off the top of my head. Yeah, people love to say I don't judge the book by enough. its cover, but it's like, that's what we're going to do. And I guess like, Usually that saying is applied to like people and just general things. But look, we have brains that are gigantic filtering machines because there are so many stimuli out there. We have to judge books by their covers. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, unless now, we, we can, learn about them somewhere else. But. Yeah. And we can make a deliberate effort to be like, that thing isn't very appealing to me on its cover, but... I think I'm going to look at it anyway. But then when you read for eight hours and hate it, you've wasted a whole bunch of time. Yeah. And, you know, you you might like it. You probably want to look at reviews first. My only point is maybe it's noble to say don't judge a book by its cover, but it is unrealistic to think that other people are going to do so. And it is a dumb idea to live your life assuming other people are going to do so. Much smarter to at least if you if at least if you are pursuing something where you need other people to say yes like yes you're hired yes i will buy your product yes i will bring you in as a speaker you need to think and operate in that mode well, it's it's a problem that i see a lot of artists talk about on like uh, like twitter where it's like most of us are introverts at least the group that i'm i'm aware of yeah and, and they're like but i hate self-promoting but here's the thing if i don't 
I can't eat because no one knows about my things. Yep. And it feels terrible to do it every time. But if I don't accept that I have to, I will be punished by mm -hmm. not succeeding at what I want to do. It's like, it's an unfortunate thing you have to deal with. Yeah. If you're not going to self-promote, someone else will. Yeah. And they will get attention, unfortunately. Yeah, it doesn't really matter if it's fair. You just have to mm -hmm. figure out how to self-promote in a way that at least makes you feel happy about it. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to be cocky yeah, you don't you don't have, have to, to fake arrogant. who you are that's you don't I, have to be I like do i have made the best thing ever but you know you do have to put yourself out there and you do have to put your best foot forward and to borrow a phrase from our last episode you can't outsource your self-esteem to someone else you have to build yourself up a little bit without being dishonest or disingenuous uh so to reiterate think about how you can market yourself because you need to guide people through the ADA formula attention interest decision or desire and then action um a couple ways to do that one do something that makes you deliberately stand out from the crowd like making a love letter website um but make sure that you do it in a way that is congruent with your desires for the rest of that process so if you know if you're you know walking into the career fair with a feather boa or something that's probably not going to work for you and honest with who you are because if they and find yes. out later that you hate that stuff and that it was only a gimmick it's just gonna yeah don't, like they may not hate you for it but it makes them less sure of who you are and they don't necessarily want to hire an unknown yeah and boy that's that's a whole discussion like how do you make sure you go down a path <clears throat> where, where you're not going to end up somewhere as someone you hate because the, it's very easy to put yourself in a philosophical place where you could say like i should never make any decision that's in any slight way incongruent with who i am yeah, but you're going to have to be flexible at some point. It's it's yeah. difficult. But, like, if I went somewhere with, like, some big feather boa and all this stuff, and then later they found out that I was an incredibly neutral, sometimes monotone and just too calm kind of person, then they'll be like, what are you doing? And I'll just be like, I thought you'd notice. Like, <laughs> I mean, I could, maybe if I said it like that, they'd be like, all right. Either that or but, you have to come to work wearing a feather boa every single day. Yeah. While you work we want the, the old Martin back. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess like there's there's this tension between not misrepresenting yourself enough, or not misrepresenting yourself too much, but also being you know flexible. same thing. Same thing as a book cover, actually. That needs to yeah. kind of reflect what's inside, but still be interesting. Yeah, that's actually, that's very true. If I put like a Harlequin romance novel cover on top of like a young adult fantasy novel about elves, it's gonna be very confusing <laughs> for anybody <laughs> who picks it up. <laughs> I'd read it. <laughs> Uh, and lastly, you can also just go through existing filtering channels to put yourself in a smaller group of people, which will get you more attention by default. So big go fish to the networking in a small pond. Yes, big fish in a small yeah. pond. Go to the networking events. Go to hackathons. Go to startup weekends. Go to uh, career fairs. Join clubs. All the stuff. Get active. And yeah, find ways to, again, make yourself the big fish. And you also learn stuff. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I feel like it was a little bit all over the place, but all of our episodes are all over the place. I, I mean, that's like 50% of this podcast. Sometimes we've got it's an incredibly formulated thought out, but a lot that's of times true. it's about a conversation. Yeah. If, if you want like super concentrated knowledge, the videos are where that's at and the articles because they're, there's no conversational nonsense that is true. In there. No nonsense. We did talk about music for like eight minutes, and all, it was only tangentially related. Yeah, it was kind of. But I'm that's, real good at It's tangential. a podcast. That's how it works. Yeah, I'm real good at that. That's how this one works. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, this is what I do. I always I bring my interests into whatever I'm talking about on the podcast. Yeah, you wouldn't want to hear us sound right bored now. because we didn't bring in stuff we were kind of interested in. Uh, here's an outline that I created because I think it'll get attention. Like, we've redone an episode before because I was like, it felt like a PowerPoint presentation. Let's redo it. Yep. Let's make it conversational. And then it's better. Luckily, I think we've only ever had to redo only, two or three yeah, only, episodes. Only a couple. So we've been. Well, one of them was for Tony Hawk music. Right? One of them that I wasn't was that wasn't because it was bad. That's because there was copyrighted music in the background. <laughs> Whoops! Whoopsie! Poopsie! Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is episode two seventy nine. So if you want to go get the show notes where we have linked to several books, um, a couple of those love letter websites, as we're going to call them, you can go over to cigpodcast.com slash two seventy nine and check those out. Otherwise, you can go to CIGpodcast.com, no slashes, no trailing numbers, to find out how to subscribe to this show. So if you've just been watching in your web browser or you're watching on YouTube and you'd like to get it in audio form delivered to your device every single, well, it's not every single Monday, but every single time it comes out, you can go over to CIGpodcast.com. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Smoke Signals in the Forest, Ethereal Space Clouds. We're on all of them. Every single one. Serial space clouds. Not serial, ethereal space clouds. Oh, no, clouds. I, I said ethereal. I'm just oh. speaking in my too calm, but quiet like, voice. there's serial I'm in thinking them. about it. It's actually the subtly brilliant alignment of the serial in the space clouds that actually create the sounds. Okay. Visual representation of sound waves through serial. It turns serial. out, in a vacuum... Cheerios conduct electricity that is bound up in space clouds. This and is they not do a physics so podcast. In a configuration that um, creates a sort of supercomputer don't that actually this. generates the CIG podcast. Interestingly, while we pre record this and distribute it across all of the platforms, the space cloud version is generated on the fly. We have nothing to do with it. It is somehow a perfect one to one configuration of our brains. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Somehow. It's one of those weird coincidences in the okay. universe. I mean, it could be a coincidence. That's perfectly reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many coincidences. I mean, I don't know if, how, if it's really perfectly reasonable. Yeah, many maybe. things are unlikely, but it is likely that unlikely things will happen. That's true. So. Maybe. <laughs> or it's at least likely. If you want to support the show, uh, Apple Podcasts has a rating and review feature, and we would highly appreciate if you'd go on there, give us a rating and review, let us know what you think. Uh, as far as we know, that helps bump us up the charts. We don't actually know that, but it's it's always cool to see new reviews. So if you want to support the show, you can do that, or you can share this podcast with a friend, maybe tell them what your favorite episode is and get them started somewhere, because boy, are there a lot of episodes now. 279 of them. That's a lot. Got another 279 more years of this. What else do we do in outros? Anything? Collegeinfogeek.com, where we have... It's a cool website. Some articles. Tweet me your favorite Pokemon. Yeah. I've been thinking about Pokemon My a lot. favorite one is... Tweet me uh, your favorite. Hippogriff? That's... You're fired. Tweet <laughs> me your favorite Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Can you dance like a hippogriff? Anyway, thanks for hanging out with, with us, and we will see you in next week's episode, because we do have a new one next week. So until then, stay cute.